Thank you, ladies. It's been especially enjoyable for me having my family here, kids and grandkids, to uh, join us this morning. I, as they sang their song, I thought of the uh, angels that said to the ladies at the tomb, come and check it out. And they were singing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come and check it out. You will see that he is gone. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. And, and that's kind of the theme of last Sunday and this Sunday is check it out. We want to find out what Governor Walls says. You know, when can we open up and, and come back? And, and uh, so we're always saying, hey, somebody check it out and let, let us know when, when this can take place. Uh, because eventually we're going to have to determine whether we're going to meet whether he says we can or not. That we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. That's part of our church. Exhorting one another to be together. Uh, and so much more as you see the day approaching. It is more important for us to get back together again now than it was before we took the recess. You know, I know it's going to be hard for some of you to actually put clothes on instead of your pajamas in the morning for sun Sunday service, but it is important. We have to decide that the pastors, as we gather, we say, when, when is it going to be? And on Thursday evening, or Thursday I mentioned that uh, I, uh, to get together with other families uh, to watch the live stream. I hope that you are, there are two or three families in your home right now. I realize you might not have had enough time to do that, but if we are not gathering here next Sunday, I hope that you have invited somebody, maybe somebody without a, a, a live stream or, or without a computer to come to your place. You need fellowship. And more so as we get to the end of the age, and we are getting there, folks. Uh, we see all of this. They're controlling uh, everything today, and we have got to realize that we are reaching the end. We, we, we need to come back together again, whether it's, uh, it probably won't be next Sunday, but the Sunday after. I, I mean, and hopefully it will be because Governor Wall says we can rather than saying, well, we must obey God rather than man. Uh, but thank you for joining us here in this auditorium. Um, we're interested in what takes place, interested in what Governor Wall says, what President Trump says. We're interested in that. We stopped, Cindy and I stopped at our neighbors a couple nights ago, and, and uh, they were out planting, and so we stopped to talk to them, and as we were talking, she was telling us what she thought about all of this that was going on, and she was making an evaluation of people, and finally, Cindy and I said, we, we just have to get home and finish up our chores, uh, but uh, I am more concerned about someone else's evaluation of me, and that is what Jesus Christ thinks of me rather than what some government official might think about the pandemic. And I hope that you are as well, that you realize that salvation is more than a prayer. It is a lifestyle 
that you have chosen to be, be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so that means that someday there will be an evaluation of you, if you're a believer, and me by Jesus Christ, the Master. And I'm concerned about his evaluation of me, and I base this concern on a passage or a parable, well, and not just one, but today we're looking at one, uh, in Matthew 25. We started last Sunday, and this is, Jesus is telling this parable, and, and yes, you don't make a parable, they used to tell us in seminary, don't make a parable stand on all fours, or on all four legs, because you, you figure out what is the point of the parable, and then you don't base uh, Bible doctrine just on some verse in that parable, or some characteristic, or part of the picture that he draws. But here he is saying, what we do as believers will be evaluated someday. And so we need to live like there's going to be an evaluation, because there will. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 14, and we have a few extra minutes this morning, so I'm just going to read these verses. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and, do, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he, had, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strud. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strud. Thou oughtest therefore to have at least put my money to the exchanger. And then at my coming, I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And 
the, uh, this last verse, I think this is the, the verse that some will say, okay, you, you lose your salvation. No. There's one obscure verse here that says, okay, there are going to be consequences for not using what God has given you. That's what he is saying here. Not, and I believe this, even though it's just a story, that uh, this third servant is a servant. It's just that he is going to experience the consequences for not doing what he was supposed to do. And so as we look at this, I want to look at the master and, and realize, as we did last Sunday, that the master is in charge of the gift. That's what we looked at then. And you can go back and watch that on Facebook, but the master is in charge of the gift. He provided each servant with a great opportunity, a chance of a lifetime. And he provided his servants with his property, not their property. They didn't own it. It was not theirs. It was the master's. Even the third servant knew and said, it was your uh, gift to me. And so God has given us a great gift, a great opportunity, the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he has given this to us. He's given us spiritual gifts. Once we trust Christ, we are given a gift. The Holy Spirit uses it. Sometimes there might be more. Uh, there might be a primary one, but the Holy Spirit uses it uh, in our lives, and we are to use it then for Jesus Christ. It's chosen specifically for us. Uh, we have different gifts, and that was last Sunday. And now we see the master not is only the, in charge of the gift, but is in charge of the evaluation of that gift. The valuation, evaluation of its use in our own lives. Verse 19 says, uh, After a long time, the Lord of the servant cometh and reckoneth with them. He examines what they have done. He said, I want you to show me uh, what has taken place while I have been gone. And so there's an evaluation that takes place. He checks it out to find out how they have done. Uh, and so sometimes we can talk ourselves out of consequences. Uh, we're caught speeding, and, and I have never at least been successful at ta uh, uh, talking my way out of a speeding ticket, but you might be able to. Or you're late for work, and you might have an excuse that you use, or you make a bad investment, and eventually you're able to pay that back, pay the consequences. But all of us will stand someday before the master, and he will evaluate us. And he cannot be fooled by any excuses that we might give him. Uh, two out of three received great news, didn't they? Hey, good and faithful servant. Uh, enter into the joy of the Lord. And they, uh, they received the good news there in verse 21. Uh, but one, he tried to talk his way out of doing nothing with his gift. And God wants us to understand that uh, he will, we will all give account to him. Now, in 1 Corinthians, it describes the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, where he is the rewarder of those that have served him. And it's the Bema seat or the reward seat. 
Uh, but it talks about there that what we have done will be uh, wood, hay, or stubble, and that will be consumed in fire, or it will be gold, silver, precious stone. And that we'll, we will receive the rewards then in glory. But we will give an account, and God is master of the evaluation of what we do with what he has given us. And someday he will ask us that. And not to determine our salvation. No, that's taken care of. And, and that was the point of the message on Thursday and or Friday on Aaron's funeral is that God has drawn us to himself when we come to know him. The Holy Spirit pulls on our hearts and says, I, I need a savior. I am lost. I'm, I'm tied up with sin and I need to get rid of this sin. And uh, he draws us and we become children of God when we cry out to him. Uh, but so he's not going to evaluate us at the Bema seat to determine whether we've got more wood, hay, and stubble or more gold, silver, precious stone. No, that, that's not the way it is. It just says, I'm going to consume all that. And what's left is what you enter into his kingdom with uh, the gold, silver, precious stone. Much or little there. And what the point of this parable is, don't bury your gift. Don't. Now, why did servant number three bury his gift? I've got a couple of maybe answers, and you might come up with others. But I thought, well, maybe he was upset with the size of the gift. One guy gets five talents. The next guy gets two talents. And he only gets one talent. Ah, you know, uh, here... One guy gets 75 years salary, another gets 30 years salary, and he only gets 15 years salary. <gasps> Terrible. Oh. It's like us saying, I only have a two-car garage, and my neighbors, they have a three-car garage, and they have a pole barn besides. Oh, that's terrible. Or I only have two jet skis, and they have four jet skis, or a one snowmobile, and they have two snowmobiles. Or they have, they, we only have two cars, and Pastor Grotsky has three cars. Oh, you know, we're all wealthy, aren't we? Here in the United States, we're born in the United States, we are wealthy. Don't be jealous of what others have. I started to drive in this morning, and on the radio, it was talk, a pastor was talking about uh, what pastors make, and, and I turned the radio off. I, I don't, I don't want to know what pastors make. Uh, I know what God has given me. What am I going to do with, God has, with what God has given me? Does, they have to, you know, if they're given more, they have to do more. If I'm given... Less than, yeah, maybe I'm going to be held less accountable. The one that got uh, two talents and he gained another two talents, that was, uh, he, maybe he didn't have to be quite as smart or whatever as the five-talent guy. Uh, but he might have been upset with the size of the gift. He might have been upset with the master himself. The master's not fair. 
I'm, uh, I'm not helping him out. I'm not going to gain him. He just gave me only 15 years' salary. He, he's not fair. I've heard people say, if God is going to allow all those people to die, maybe through some disaster, maybe it's through, through some pandemic, then I don't want him as my God. If he's going to allow those people to starve to death in other countries, then I don't want him to be my God. If, uh, if, I'm going to, if he's going to allow all of these things to take place, then I don't want him for my God. How foolish can you be? God is offering us eternal life at our salvation. He is not, talk, he is not offering us ease on this earth or wellness on this earth or that we're going to live forever on this earth. That's not the, his point. His point is preparing us for our next life, life with him. And so uh, maybe he was just disappointed. He, he felt uh, betrayed by his master. There are two variables, though, in this parable I want us to consider. There was a varying amount of gifts one, five, one, two, one, one. Different amounts. We all have varying gifts. There are many talented people and few talented people. Everybody has a talent, but we might not be. There are some public uh, talents out there, and there are some quiet talents out there. There's Heather Larson or the pianists that are exceptional, exceptionally talented. And then there are those that just have one talent. I, I was thinking back in the last couple of weeks over a, a junior high boy in our school down in Minneapolis, small school. And his name was Tom Daffer. And Tom Daffer, just by looking at him, you knew that he, he was not a talented individual. I mean, he... He walked around and he walked funny and he swung his hands when he would walk and he talked funny and he, he uh, had a habit of running his hand up his nose, his nose would be running and he would run his hand up his nose and through his hair. And uh, so you knew that he was not a talented person. The kids loved him. He was funny. He smiled. He just acted differently. And here he was. Uh, he was in junior high age, but he was doing the work of a third grader. And so you knew he just struggled with school. And, and if I would have just said, ah, and, and tell his dad, it's not going to do any good. Why do you keep sending him to school? One day he was missing. And I was looking all around, where did he go? And I began to walk through the building, just, where is Tom Daffer? Nobody knew where Tom was. And I was walking in the hall, and just outside the auditorium, I heard a piano being played. I thought, well, who is in here playing the piano? And I opened the door and looked, and here Tom Daffer, no music on the piano. Tom was just playing the piano like crazy. He was playing hymns, and he was making up songs, and, and it was music. Now, my first thought was not, we've got to sanitize those keys. My first thought was, wow, he's got a gift. I never thought he had a gift. 
But he has a gift and a great gift. And he can make people smile and he can play the piano and make people smile. And we, you know, Tanya Ogren is, is a, a gifted lady, girl. And she can make you smile. You can't walk by her without smiling, giving a high five, uh, and giving her or a bump, a fist bump or something, and say, go girl. And she's been my, my uh, helper at the front door, greeting guests coming in, open the door for them, and high-fiving them when they, when they walk in. What a talent. Sometimes we think, well, I don't have a talent. Tanya's got a talent. Tom Daffer had a talent. Uh, they're just varying amounts of talent. What are you going to do with the amount you are given? There's varying use of the talent. The size of the gift wasn't important. Both the, the, uh, uh, the uh, two-talent guy and the five-talent guy got the same response from the master, didn't he? Well done. You did something with what I gave you. And so refuse to, to compare your talents with other people. God has given them more talents. Okay. Oh, sometimes I used to struggle with it a, a little bit. I'd be at the front door greeting people, maybe greeting you, and you'd come in and you'd say, boy, Pastor, I just listened to a great sermon by Dr. David Jeremiah on the radio. And uh, I'd say, well, good. And I've responded sometimes, and maybe to you, and I said, then you can get a good nap in the service this morning because you've already heard your good message I've got to, you know, work at not, I'm not a David Jeremiah, I'm not a Chuck Swindoll or a Charles Stanley. God has given them greater gifts, but what he has given me, I better use. I don't always want to use that gift. Yes, I did pray this morning that the Lord would come before I had to get up here to preach. I said, please, Lord. Won't you come and snatch us away, like it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Catch us away up into glory before I have to get up and preach in front of a, an empty auditorium. <laughs> and are almost empty. Uh, it doesn't help to have an empty auditorium. It's, it's just something God has given me, and I must do it. Uh, this man was not judged for doing a bad thing. He was judged for doing nothing. Will that be what you hear when you stand before him in glory? The last thing, okay, he's the master of the gift, and he's the master of the evaluation of the gift. He is also master of the reward. Here at, uh, he says, he's the one. I am going to give unto you. Uh, you've gained two talents. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's his reward. Wow. And a great reward. Much greater than anything these servants did on this earth. And I am thankful for that. That uh, the reward that I am looking forward to in heaven uh, isn't based because I have done so much on this earth, but I've used what talent he's given me in some way to serve the Lord. He has 
wonderful things in store for those that use his treasures wisely upon this earth. Uh, The responsibility and glory is going to be greater than here upon this earth. See, you've getting, he says, well, the five talents was just a little bit compared to what you get in glory. The two talents, just a little bit uh, of what uh, you, you will get in glory. See, our responsibilities in heaven will be greater than uh, we're not going to be uh, adjusting our halos and, and uh, singing Rocky Mountain High to the harps there in the clouds. We're going to have great responsibilities. It's not going to be boring at all. It's going to be exciting. You think it's exciting to use the gifts that God gives us here on this earth? We're going to be given opportunities far greater than these things that we get to accomplish here on this earth. Uh, Some think they're going to play golf all day long when they get to heaven. Wow, won't that be great? Golf all... I know I'll never be able to play golf in in heaven. It says there's not going to be any lying in heaven, no cheating in heaven, no weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and that's pretty much my game right there. Uh, So uh, you might get to enjoy golf in heaven, but I'll be doing something else for sure. Uh, What was the Lord of the, what has the Lord of the gift given to you? Uh, I don't know what he has. I think you probably have an idea, if it's your mind, and many of you are very intelligent, uh, then don't fill it with trash. That's God's gift. Uh, You know, what we fill our minds with usually comes out in our mouths, our tongues. It says what's inside eventually comes out through our mouths. And so if, if if your mind is God's gift to you, don't fill it with garbage. It's important that we renew it. Renew your mind every day. It tells us fill it with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control. Use that mind for God. Maybe your gift is material possessions. Sometimes that comes because of the gift God has given you with your mind, or maybe the skills of your hands as a surgeon, or just understanding numbers, and so you are able to gain material possessions. I am so thankful for uh, the church family, the ones that God has given uh, abilities to gain possessions or gain finances because they have been invested in in the work of God around the world. How are you going to use what God gives you? Now, you can, uh, you can accumulate stuff so that when you die, your kids can pull in big hoppers, throw all of your valuable possessions into the hopper to haul to the landfill. Uh, you can accumulate stuff so that you have to build bigger barns, another pole shed, Uh, another whatever, uh, so that your kids will fight over it when you're gone and not speak to each other uh, when you're gone. Or you can invest it for eternity and see souls saved around the world. You can invest it in treasures in heaven, and you do. And I appreciate 
this church family because they do that. John Wesley wrote, John Wesley, preacher, long ago, he wrote, he says, Christians have three rules to follow regarding material possessions. One is make all you can, two is save all you can, and three is spend all you can for God. And today's uh, citizens of the United States, or most of us think that two out of three isn't bad. But maybe your gift is material possessions. Maybe your gift is time. Use it for God. Maybe that's all you have is time. Use it for God. Spend time with people. Share Jesus Christ with people. Encourage people. Call people. Uh, just use it. It's a gift. Use it for God. Maybe it's talent. You know, uh, uh, may use, if, if your talent is playing piano, uh, offer to play here for our services. We have a number of talented musicians. Sing, play your horns, play the pianos. Use it for Christ. That's uh, important. He has given us those. I think that five loaves and two fishes were able to feed 5,000 men, but it had to be given an insignificant gift of five loaves and two fishes had to be given to Christ. Whatever little gift God has. And I, there's a saying on, on the sewing room wall in our house that, said, that says, uh, find out what gives you joy and wear it out for God. What gives you joy Wear it out for God. It might be insignificant. It might be just one little talent. Use it for God. God evaluates the gift. He's, he, he had the disciples come and said, hey, check this out. Watch this lady. She's coming to the treasury box of the temple. Watch. See what she puts in it. She put in a mite, a, a penny. What did Jesus say? Hey, guys, I want you to realize that this woman has given more than all the rest. The crown that went in from a prince, nothing in compared to her penny. The money from the money changer or from uh, the, the uh, privileged people in the community went in there, nothing compared to that penny. Why? Because she gave it all, all she had. So what's she going to hear when she gets the glory? She's going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over such a small gift. I'm going to give you, make you faithful over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. What are you going to hear when Christ or the master evaluates your use of your gift. He is the master of the reward. I know I want to hear those words, and I believe you do as well. Let's pray. Father, of those that are listening, probably most of them at least, 
maybe all, have already given their life to you. And you have given them in return the gift of salvation and a spiritual gift or two that the Holy Spirit uses in their lives to touch the lives of others. Lord, I pray that each of us will recognize that we are yours and pray that, uh, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm praying that we might be responsible, that I might be responsible for the gift that you have given me. Be faithful. Lord, I will admit I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I pray that for those that are listening as well. I'm asking in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.